Hey, Chrissy here. I'm a landscape architect and the owner of Kismet Design. I am a very process-driven designer and I love sharing what I do and how I do it with everyone that's interested. I want to share my love of landscape design with everyone. If there's knowledge or experience or perspective that I can share that would be beneficial to build your skills or your business, let's do it. Reaching your true potential and achieving your own personal goals will not happen by chance. You have to set your intentions, make a plan, and do the work. Let's create something great together. Inspiration and passion drive the creative process in ways that aren't always tangible or logical. Inspiration can be found in some very strange places sometimes. It sounds completely acceptable to hear about inspiration for landscape design or any design for that matter, coming from nature, garden tours, nurseries, historical designs, endless hours combing Pinterest. Guilty as charged. What about the unexpected though? The design on the back of a notepad, the way a shadow hits the window, the pattern created after accidentally spilling your coffee. Oops. The unexpected inspiration only happens when you're open to it. But how do you open yourself up to it? And when it hits, how do you harness it and apply it? Ever wonder what other designers or other colleagues or other design professionals do to find inspiration in what their creative process looks like? I have these conversations with other design nerds all the time. I personally am a very process-driven person in all aspects of my life, but especially in design. I make lists and lists of those lists, set goals, and my relentless habitual processes are likely a bit annoying to some of my family, but they love me regardless. When it comes to design and feeling creative, I have to create a structure around it to really get into the flow and keep my distractions to a minimum. When everything is loose and undefined, I find it challenging to be productively creative. And that's the key word. I can be creative and I can get lost and go down the rabbit hole really easily, but being productively creative is a different process. The restrictions, confinement, rigidity, and process Give me the perfect palette to put my problem-solving hat on and get creative without delving into too much distraction. An impervious surface restriction or view corridor that needs to be maintained, steep slopes, wildlife or pets, color and style preference, unique architecture, all add some structure to the mindset of landscape design And when paired with inspiring ideas, colors, patterns, and elements to keep the ideas bouncing around like a ping pong ball until it settles on something great. So when I get started and I'm in the thick of it, my desk is messy and intentionally categorized piles to which an outsider likely looks like chaos. But I do have a system loose as it may be, but the clutter has to be cleared when I sit down to start a design or other creative project. 
This is partly how I keep myself from getting distracted. Cleaning my space is also a way of clearing my head so that I can really focus on the project at hand. Once I've got the space, both physically and mentally, I dive into my notes and site photos to put myself in the space again. Light a candle, crank the music, and it's game on. Once I'm in the mindset and the trace paper starts to fly, I will sketch out multiple thoughts, flows, and views. With initial instincts on paper, I then seek added inspiration through photos, a walk outside, or anything around me that I notice, patterns, color, texture, interesting materials. I will draw out connections and views, establish lines of symmetry and balance, play with scale and proportions to explore what feels the best. What feels the best is the undefined creative artistic part of it all. Some of it is learned basic proportions and acceptable sizing standards. I won't nerd out here, although I'm tempted, but not all of it is definable. The feeling is not just innate, but also learned through experience and exposure to both what works and what doesn't. I'm constantly analyzing the things around me and noticing what things work, what feels good, what doesn't, what could have been built differently, looking at things and the way that they were built, especially if I love the way they look and feel. It is experiencing a patio that's too small or a walkway that's too wide, colors that clash, a pergola that's too tall or made of materials that are too small, making it feel spindly, and noticing all of those things around you everywhere you go. Plants that don't thrive, stay smaller than expected, or outgrow expectations are all opportunities to learn and continue to develop your ideas and your thoughts and your knowledge to explore and put into your designs. Knowing what outcomes different materials can achieve and the construction methods to create it all lead into the process as well. The considerations are endless but they all add to the development of the design. As I weed through the ideas, it becomes apparent which ideas are the best and which fit together and which fit the client. Sometimes combining the ideas is simple. Sometimes the act of combining them morphs into something entirely different than any of the original sketches. The final design starts to take shape and I can then work on the details and better defined the finite decisions. There is intention behind every decision, whether it is aligning a view corridor with the kitchen window, hiding a vantage point with a specimen tree, creating a visual hierarchy, or aligning a patio edge to the edge of the house. Every decision has intention behind it. Each design decision dominoes and creates a web that ties everything together. These intentions and these design decisions are also part of the narrative that I use in describing the design to my clients and helping them to understand why the design was developed the way it was and how the proportions and shapes and alignment of things add to the development of the design. 
One of both beautiful and maddening things about landscape design is that it is never complete, never finalized. Plants grow, some things thrive while others don't. The changing of the seasons and each year of growth adds to the beauty of what was initially set in motion by a discussion and some trace paper. Even though the design and installation process, the design is in a constant state of evolution. The concepts become a revised layout, then a planting plan and a final layout. Materials are selected. Plants and substitutions are sourced. Then the design is interpreted and realized by talented installers and then cared for and nurtured by gardeners evolving over a lifetime. The design is does not belong to the designer though. Although most designers have a bit of an ego and want to take ownership of all of it, the designer is simply the conductor or the conduit by which the design is translated, developed, or hatched. Bringing together the experience of past projects with the ideas of the client and pairing that with the ideal installer brings it all to life. The process is fun and energizing, but it could be mentally taxing. Creativity cannot be constant. We all need time to rest and achieve balance. I have found that the better my in-between time and my ability to shut it off, the more inflow I can get and the more inspired I am when I'm in the zone. The downtime also develops experiences, mental imagery, and feelings that can be translated into design inspiration when the time comes. Now on to passion, how to connect the inspiration that you find into your passion. I have found that the things I am more passionate about, I naturally find more inspiration around me each day. And my mind seamlessly makes those connections. Being self-aware of how and when this is happening will allow you to integrate the ideas later. I think it is important to notice and to bring that into how you structure your work and your time. Give yourself permission to really focus on the things that you are passionate about. Especially as a small business owner, I find that I often have to spend a good amount of time doing tasks that don't necessarily align directly to my strengths or to my passion. But these things keep the business running. By focusing the projects and the tasks that I take on by choice around my passion, I feel more creative, fulfilled, and inspired. If you feed your passion, you will feel more inspired each day. Organizing your time to double down on creativity will help immensely. Creativity and passion are not a light switch that you can simply turn on and off at will. Organizing your calendar to allow for uninterrupted creativity time will help to get you in a better creative flow. I organize my week to time block administrative tasks on certain days, meetings on others, and I leave at least one to two days for either creative workflow or flex time. This takes the pressure off of feeling like I have to jump in and out of intensely creative tasks, which leaves me feeling uninspired. Knowing yourself and structuring your time accordingly will help you 
feel more inspired, and help feed your passion. To wrap up, I want to thank you for your time. I hope the ideas discussed today leave you feeling excited and energized. As I build both my business and my life, I value the support and feedback you provide. I would love for you to reach out to me to let me know what you think, give me ideas, or just to connect. Please also share with a friend. Until next time, go create something wonderful.